0: All right, welcome fellow entrepreneurs and goal getters to entrepreneurial elevation, unleashing greatness within with myself, your host, Kelly Beveridge. <laughs> welcome everybody. I'm super excited for this episode today. I have a good friend of mine here. She is amazing. You're going to fall in love with her. What I love most about Jodi is she has so much compassion for people and really understanding the human being and their design. And she's so good at what she does in helping people uh, really get to know themselves and love themselves so that they can have a fulfilling life. And she builds communities. She's great at bringing people together. I love having her in my life. She's one of those people that just makes you feel better when you're around her. And that's the truth. I've known her for over 10 years now. She's been a teacher for over 20 plus years. She's a life coach for over 10 years. She has her own business, Me, Inc. Life, which is all around coaching and building courses for people. And she's recently written a book, which I'm super excited to talk about because I love the concept and the philosophy behind it. And the book is called Radical Responsibility. And it's what she calls, it's all about pink and blue energy solution healing an exhausted, ambitious soul. And as an entrepreneur, I know that we can really get into the hustle and sometimes, you know, burn ourselves out or feel overwhelmed or not be fulfilled. And so I'm excited for this topic today. Jody. without further ado, if you can come on and just say, hey, and if you can share, just give us a brief example and maybe a brief message around what is the Pink and Blue Energy Solution? Pink and
1: Energy Blue Solution is a tool that you can use in order to help you create harmony in your life pink represents being and rejuvenation and being at ease and blue represents doing and that is being in action and experiencing the world through your senses and so i called them pink and blue energy because pink represents divine feminine and just feminine energy in general and blue represents masculine and masculine energy in general. And I totally understand it's a stereotype. I was playing on the stereotype. So it's really easily
0: recallable in people's mind. I love that. And I think most people are going to be able to relate to this, that it would be great to have both of those in our life, to have harmony and to feel whole. Yet I know myself as an entrepreneur, I struggle with allowing pink energy in. And I am masculine a lot of the times because we need to do in order to get to where we want to go is a big belief. So I'm excited in this episode today to hear how we can start to allow more pink and how actually pink will allow us to be more productive and to lean into that. So I'm excited to pick your brain around those things. Now, Dodie, I know that's where you're at now. Yet, how did you come to this? So take us back to your career because you were a teacher for, I think, 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that time when you like, why did you make the change? When did you make the leap? How did you go from teaching, which I know you still do in a sense, but actually teaching in a classroom into entrepreneurship?
1: Like every major change in life, sometimes it comes with a two by four in the side of the head. Right. So for me, it was a diagnosis. And so I was seeing a doctor because I just I didn't feel well. I just felt blessed. And I didn't really have a word for it. It was difficult to describe to people. And it was right in the height of the COVID craze. And so, of course, I got tested for that. I got tested for all of these different things. I'm at the age where perimenopause could be a thing. So I was stool tested. I was blood tested. My bile, they're testing like all of these different things. And there was really no direct answer until they came up with chronic adrenal fatigue. And basically in layman's terms, it means that I was pushing so hard and pushing my body to the brink that my body was in breakdown. And at this point, I was teaching full-time. As you said, I was privately coaching. I was coaching for a seminar company consistently for a nine-month period of time. I ran three committees. I I own my own company with my husband and was running classes and courses out of that company. And I was parenting. And attempting to friend in there. So it was just this like crazy irons in the fire. So when I say I work with powerful, masculine people, right? Folks of all genders, I'm coming from that space. Like I really understand that space because that's who I was. And so I took radical responsibility for myself. And I just decided right then and there when, and I won't even speak the diagnosis, because I don't ever want to bring it into fruition. but I was And I was told that if I did not make some radical changes in my life, that was my path. And I decided in that moment that was not going to be my path. That I was not going to walk down that path. And that required me pulling irons out of the fire. And so I kept the ones that were obvious. I was always going to parent. That was staying. I was always going to have friends. That was staying. And I really loved coaching. And I found that part of my mission in life was to have some liberty. And when other people are telling me what my time is going to be spent doing and my money was going to be only this much, and I just found that it became a no-brainer to choose the things that weren't going to get me to the end result. So I shut down my studio, which was very difficult because it was a five-year journey of contributing to a community. And so it was like literally saying goodbye to a baby, which was just, man, that was, it was very, if anybody's fallen in love with their business and built a business and then had to let it go, I feel you brothers and sisters like that. It was a lot. And then secondly, my identity as a teacher, I thought that I'd have to let go of my identity if I let go of teaching. And I only have ever identified with being a teacher. And that was very difficult too, because I loved, I was that annoying teacher that would like skip to school. Like I would, I loved, I moved my home. So I was within seven minutes of walk of school. Like I was like that kind of teacher. Loved it. And yet one day I found myself staring outside the window on a prep and there was somebody going for a walk. And I was so jealous that they could just go for a walk in the middle of their day. And jealousy is a beautiful red flag about desire. And I was like, I desire that. Like, I really desire to just be able to walk in the middle of my day if I wanted to. I really wanted that freedom. So I took a very bold step and I contacted the school division and let go of my tenure contract. Wow. And with that, the safety net that is stereotyped to be there. When you have a contract like that, right? Like you're the last to get cut in situations where there's cutting, right? And so there was a safety in having a job, yet I just believe that it's actually much more safe to be an entrepreneur and know that you can make money anytime and have the skill sets to create and magnetize money anytime and not have somebody else dictate for you what you're worth. And what your time and talent is worth. And I'm not saying that a job isn't valuable. Jobs are valuable. Yet for me, I it was a shift in mindset that I needed to create
0: in order to really truly step into being an entrepreneur. I love this. And there's so many nuggets in what you just shared. I want to dive into a few of them because, you know, as you're sharing your story, and I actually did an episode, the very first episode on here was around the feelings people go through as they start something and work towards their end result. And as I'm listening to you share your story, I feel like you got to what I like to call a space of disillusionment where you've done something for a long time that you did love, that did get you results, yet you're starting to realize you're not quite as fulfilled as you thought you were. And yours came to head because of a health situation, which I know is common for a lot of people. That's the wake-up call. And some people, the wake up call is that it's just gotten so painful with whatever's going on in their life that they know a change needs to occur. And so what would you share to entrepreneurs who are in that space right now? And they're asking themselves the questions like, is this my path? Is this what I want to do? Am I fulfilled? It's scary to take the leap of what you call the safety net. And so to get to that advanced growth, what would you say to people or what guidance would you have for people who are in that space to look at doing next?
1: I would say be willing, (laughs) number one, be coachable, be willing to look at your situation from a different perspective. And that is very difficult for a lot of people to do. So if you can't do it yourself, then pull a friend in, pull a coach in, get a coach, give somebody an opportunity to support you in moving from the current perspective you're in which is more of a victim state of, I don't know how to do this. Or I like, this is my life because A, B, C, D. I'm, I can't leave my job because these are my responsibilities. Yet if you were to move to another perspective, and this is what happened for me, I thought if I genuinely, I remember teaching business in high school and we were talking about getting paid per hour or per person and just like the different things that could come from that. And I said to my students, if I got paid per hour per person in this classroom and all of the classes I teach, I would make $27,000 a month. That's And that was based on minimum wage standards. That was if I got paid $15 an hour. If I actually got paid between $35 and $50 an hour, that would be doubled and tripled. So it would be closer to $50,000 to $60,000 a month as a teacher based on that formula. So when I was teaching it, I had an aha. And this I guarantee you if teachers are listening to this, they will be like, that happens to me all the time. When you're teaching a concept and then you yourself goes,
0: oh that's so good. (laughs) Right. You start coaching yourself as you're coaching or teaching other people.
1: Huh actually. And so it planted a seed in my head. And I thought, what if I did get paid per student? What if I did? what would that look like? And then I got to actually choose the people I want to work with. So I'm not doing classroom management and I'm not having to do with people who really don't want to be there. Even when they have hard emotions, hard emotions are nothing if you want to work through them. And so it was a very interesting kind of thought. And then the second piece that happened for me was I had a, I was at parent teacher student conferences and I had a line up on my, and that's not a good sign, Kel. You're like, now, and usually if you go to a parent's teacher student conferences and you have a lineup of parents, okay. there's issues, There's something that's not going, going,
0: going. Yeah,
1: something's not working well in that classroom. And mine was the dead opposite. I had people sitting in front of me who were like, this is the first time my kid's ever been engaged. Your conversation that you're having in your classroom is our top conversation we've ever had at the dinner table. How can, do you teach adults? How can I take your class? I'm loving what you're teaching. And the things that I was teaching in this psychology class were all based on personal growth and development. So these kids were engaged because they were learning about themselves and how they tick. And we were also looking at societal norms because there was a sociology component. So we're looking at normative behavior and recognizing constructs. And so again, a seed was planted when a parent said to me, do you teach adults? And I was like, I don't know. I've never, never... But never thought to teach that. I guess I could. And then I proposed to a specialty council that invites me every year to teach skills um, in the drama world. They invited me to teach different skill sets on characterization or building a scene or something along those lines. And I proposed. I was like, could I do something different this year? Do you think I could teach teachers about themselves and help them discover why they started teaching in the first place? So that they can remember past the burn, the difficulty. Could we just get to the why? And we gave it a shot and the class was full and they invited me back for four years in a row. And it just ended up being like the major ahas and the my favorite moments in teaching are the light bulb moments. I call them when the light bulb goes on above the head. I love teaching adults because they swear. Like, they're like, holy shit, or holy fuck, like, how did I not know this for the last 40 years? Or how have I not figured this out at this point? And the truth is that we can't see outside our own frame. Yeah. We look at the world through our perspective lenses, and it's only when we're invited into another perspective that we go, oh, there is another perspective. And so when you're in trauma spaces or where you're in Maybe not full trauma because right there you're trying to deal with, not trying, you are dealing with just getting air, right? And surviving. Yet once you get beyond the trauma space and you are looking at growth, then that's the invite and the opportunity to be able
0: to look at a new person. And I want to actually piggyback off your trauma comment. I'm going to read it here because I was listening to uh, another podcast you did and I loved that you shared this. And so you even sent that... Healing is being able to address your trauma. It's like weird furniture you have in your basement. Can you explain yeah. that? Because I love that analogy. So I used to teach about the concept of memory as
1: a house. And so I would put this house together with the roof at the top, and then there would be a top floor in the next level in the basement. And I would say new experiences come in through the chimney of the house, and they sit up there and, and then they flow out if we do not connect an emotion to them. So you'll look around your entire room. You'll be like, oh, you know, that's a new plant. I'm just making things up. And it comes into your brain. You've had this experience. And if you don't connect it to an emotion or something that's meaningful to you, it just goes away. Our brain's job is to slough off the stuff that's not important so we don't have to store it forever. However, if when that new information comes in, you have an emotional connection to it and or there's association that matters to you it actually moves from that top floor into the next floor. And then we remember it through recall. So like when you have a photograph of something and suddenly all those memories come back, right? You have that flood of memories. It's because they're sitting in that floor of your house. They're accessible. They're all there. Like all of these experiences, all of these memories. However, when you experience a trauma situation, it's like it comes through the top and goes all the way to the basement A trap door is open, it goes in the basement, and we shut the trap door. And that is a trauma response of forgetting what happened. And so some people go to that response. People who have PTSD don't often go to that response, that what happens for them is each night and or during triggering moments, that trap door opens and they re-experience the trauma in the moment. And then they have to like collect themselves and it's difficult. However, through therapy and through different means that are out there, EFT, there's so many different healing modalities. Eventually, you can open that trap door and the trauma kind of floats up and just becomes this weird furniture in your basement. And so then when you go visit the trauma, you can speak to it with no emotional attachment to it other than... Wow, that brought me to where I am today, and so there's no pain attached to it anymore, and it's not, it's not taking the driver's seat in your life. And so I always loved that imagery because sometimes there is that weird furniture when you show
0: up at your grandmother's yes. house or whatever, and you're like, "What is that? That ugly furniture? Like, what's up with that couch? Why do you still have that?" It's So I, I love it right? too because it almost puts a smile on my face if it can when you think of your past trauma or what you're overcoming that we tend to create a story around that we wear in our sleep sometime, right? And so now it's, I love that idea of it's just the ugly furniture in the corner. Don't mind it. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah.
1: It's just part of my house. Like it's part of what's built me into here, right? When I look through my memory bank, yeah, that happened. Yet it's just let's play this weird, ugly thing in the corner. Yet I'm going to choose to go with the floor above and recall the memories that feel delicious to me. And can move forward in my life now. And so my belief is without connection with other people through talk therapy, through narrative therapy, through a variety of different things that are out there, even EFT or therapy, that, that some people just keep that trap door shut and it starts to eat them in their body, right? And so that's why somatic therapy is really important or somatic in terms of getting it out of your body or I just watched this whole thing on myofascia release and just the emotions that are stuck in our body right so we don't always have to know the whole story yet do you know that when those memories or experiences come in to become memories there's an emotion attached to them as they float down that house and so sometimes we experience the emotion and yet suppress the memory The emotions are
0: really raw and they're really real there. So So what would somebody does? Because as somebody who likes to set goals, I think most people's goal in life is to be happy and fulfilled and love their day-to-day life. Yet the truth is we all have past experiences. And what would you suggest to somebody who has experienced the trauma, yet it's there? How do we move forward and create a new identity for ourselves or positive stories that serve us? so that we can get the things that we want in our life and not have that thing hold us back. So I have a beautiful
1: imagery for you. So imagine yourself standing sideways on a train track. And on the right side of you is the train that represents all your life experiences. But on the left side of you is the future and there's nothing. And sometimes, and I had this vision when I chose out of teaching full-time, was like, I'm scared because I don't know what the future holds. I have no idea what's on that left side of me, so I'm not moving. I'm stuck on this track. Yet a coach shared with me a long time ago that what they don't tell you is you can take everything with you that you like and just move all of the carts from the train to this side. And then the ones that are on this side of you, you may have to do some forgiveness work around. I forgive you, For Ha'oponopono is my favorite, right? Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And I'm sorry. You can do, there's a variety of different healing prayers and forgiveness prayers. And acknowledging that you're here now to move forward because all that happened. Right? That's the radical responsibility. That's the piece of being like, I played a role in this. Because I showed up. Because I lived in that household. Not because you're to blame but because you're here having this beautiful human experience and we human really well, no. <laughs> right? With no perfection. And so when we human really well, that comes with trauma and change and, so give yourself permission to human really well. Yeah. And then also permission to allow it to stay as weird furniture in your basement.
0: And I love the analogies you're giving because it is a great visual, even the train track. And I feel like that's what you did because I want the listeners to, to hear stories and inspiring stories. Sometimes when we hear someone else, they took the leap of faith. It gives us the inspiration to do it. And what you said is you take, the good things with you or you take what maybe wasn't working and do something different and take that with you. So as you shared your journey around teaching, you took that you love personal development, that you love coaching adults, that you didn't want to trade your time for money anymore, that you realized your worth in the time that you were giving was to be paid way more than what you were getting paid as a teacher, right? All of these things and that gave you some ammunition to be able to go and take the leap of faith and start building your business. And so what would you say to people? Because here's what I find, right? So what, oh, do you have something you want to say? Can I interrupt for one second?
1: Yeah. So in the business world, that's called transferable skills, right? So it's like, I'm organized, I'm a leader, I can teach, I'm good at communicating. All of those skills came with me. So when somebody's in that transition space, they can look at the skills that they currently have in the job that they're currently in or the career they're currently in and look at the transferable skills. Like what's coming with me here? I don't have to leave my great communication behind. I don't have to leave my connection with other people or my super, superpower of connecting other people to things behind. I can actually bring that all with me. So that's actually a
0: term that already exists. I just love speaking in visuals. Yeah. And I do that too in the transferable skills. I want to speak a little bit about the identity too, because your identity was a teacher. And I know that people get really connected to their identity based on what they do. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a wife. I'm, and yet that's not actually our identity. Yet it's just how society sometimes gives us an identity. And you still are a teacher. So it's not like you have to shed a whole new skin to be able to go and make the leap of faith. It's just how do you redefine? the identity that feels good for you in a different light and I feel like that's what you've done now as a coach teacher in just a different way thank you I call it wearing hats
1: right they're just different hats I've put on I'm putting on my mom hat today I'm putting on my teacher hat today I'm putting on my my coach hat today and that was the other thing that I thought was really interesting I didn't have to abandon being a teacher to be a coach I played the and game I could be a coach and a teacher and a mom yeah. and a sister and a friend. And like I played the end game. And some people think that when they leave a career, they'll have to leave that identity. Leave the identity if it's not serving you. If it's no longer serving you to be identified as a plumber, an electrician, a provider, a whatever, whatever the identity you've decided to clench onto, if that is no longer serving you let it go.
0: I want to use this to segue into your concept of pink and blue, because I'll speak to myself. I was really caught up in the hustle culture, right? And that was an identity that I wore like a badge of honor. I hustle, I grind, I'm doing, I I work 10 hours a day, like I am in action, right? And I know as entrepreneurs, there's times where it's really important to be Focused and intentional and in a lot of action. The journey's a marathon, yet yet it's important to have sprints in there. Yet I was sprinting for years and eventually did get exhausted and start to not enjoy the process. And so can you speak to this as if you're speaking to a group of entrepreneurs around pink and blue energy? Because when you talk about your pink energy, which I know you're going to go into more, it, I get rattled, like I get resistant. I, it's hard for me to even understand. So let's get yes. into this a little bit. An entrepreneur Hi. typically is about doing. Can you chat about these concepts?
1: Yeah, so five months after, after I quit everything, I pulled all the irons out of the fire. I had this download come through me that said, you need to move to Costa Rica. And it was just such a bizarre left field thing. I'd never been to Costa Rica in my life. I am not, I still don't know where it came from. Yet it was a very, very strong thought. And what I do know now is that I needed to be in a culture that reveres time. And in fact, to the point where if you pay certain people a, a certain amount of money in Costa Rica, so for example, you go in and you decide to give everybody a raise, they'll work until Wednesday. And then they won't show up on Thursday and you'll be like, why aren't you here at work? And they'll say, because I have enough money for the week. So I don't, you gave me a raise, so I don't need to work. And that is a very different mentality than what we have here in our hustle culture, capitalist, like things, stuff, having to have all the things. Pior vida is their term and it means simple life. It's like everybody talks about Pior vida. And when I got down there, that is a journey and and you can read about it in my book. Yet my family chose to come with me and we did move there for just under three months because you have to leave the country at three months and then come back. And we were in a space where we decided my youngest son wanted to go back to a brick and mortar school, was missing his friends. We just made a family decision to come back. Yet in that three months, everything for me. And so I learned I had a guy on the street yell, "Yo, chiquita, where are you going? Donde esta?" He says, and I go, "La playa, the beach." And he is, "No, where are you going so fast? Right?" And yeah. I was like, "Bro, didn't even know. I didn't know I was walking fast because that was just the pace I ran my life." Interesting, at. Hey? Yeah, and so it was very what I call doing energy, very blue energy. Even walking was this dark blue, purposeful. I prided myself on how can I get there faster, better, easier, right? So I'm addressing the blue first because I want you to know that I really understand what that means to be doing all the time. And entrepreneurs coming in that feel that they're part of that hustle culture. You are my number one client, right? And you're coming in and you're recognizing that it has to be done differently if you're going to survive that your health is impacted, that your family's impacted, your relationships are impacted because it becomes almost obsessive with how focused on work you are. And so the first is recognizing your identities outside of work, if you're going to choose identities, but recognizing you're a whole person, right? And so being in that culture, I ended up learning and getting more ideas for my company. And I replaced my teacher's salary working two days a week where I spent most of my time on a beach, right? And it was suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, and how was I able to do that? Because in my downtime, my recovery, my rejuvenation, my purposeful plug into the ether universe being time, all of these ideas flooded me ways that i could serve my clients ways that i could build classes ways that i could teach internationally like flooded me and to the point where i started carrying my notes in my phone i was like i was like man it was like they were coming through me faster than i could even write them down and so i realized that this was a tool that was missing in my culture in canada This was a tool that was missing in the hustle culture in general. And so I got back to Canada and I started applying it with my clients. I said, I have an idea and it's radical and it's going to take radical responsibility. You need to schedule, which is blue because you're scheduling, pink time. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? what's pink time? And so, yeah, what is pink time? Okay. So pink time and pink energy is being time and being energy. And you, I establish it with people if they've ever had a surgery. Because if you've ever had a surgery and you've had to get up and go change the laundry, you know that's all the energy you had. You can't even fold it. You just walk over, bring the laundry back to bed, and then you have to lay back down to recharge before you had another pool of energy you could use up. So pink time allows you to pool up your energy so that it is wide and expansive for you to be able to use. Because what I noticed with my clients is over all of them, every single one of them was going to bed at night and waking up 65% charged, waking up exhausted. Like they, and and I said, how satisfied would you be with your phone? If you woke up in the morning, it was 65% charge.
0: It didn't all day. Exactly. Not satisfied yet with ourself. We're just like, okay, we keep going.
1: Yeah. We'd be like, "Eh, you know, we'll deal. I'll drink my coffee. I'll have my whatever is going to, my stimulant in order to like get me through. And instead I challenged, I invited, I've never challenged, but I invited my clients to, to try this new, to try out and or step into this new methodology which was radical responsibility around your beingness so that looks like laying in a hammock for half an hour in the middle of your day where you're typically like going and going i have a client that she's corporate calgary she's downtown and i said okay so at lunchtime this was in the summer i said is there a park near you and she goes we've got the rooftop kind of cool can you go outside Take off your socks and stick your feet in the dirt. And she was like, Bye. <laughs> I mean what? I'm like, it's called earthing. So I'm like, you can read up about it, all these different things, but you're gonna be getting relatively fresh air. We're in the middle of a city, so that's all relative. And that but secondly, you're gonna be having your feet in the dirt. Is that possible for you? And she's I don't think that's possible because I think they'd be upset with my feet in the planters yet. There is a park across the street. And I could sit in the grass. Awesome. So we started to design people's calendars. And so I call this energy calendars. I design people's uh, calendars based on their energy. And we started to optimize the places where you actually do best. Kelly, if you're like a morning person and you're like, man, I'm in dark blue energy. I wake up and I'm like ready to go mm-hmm. because you got all this pink all night and you feel delicious working in the morning. Do that. Then, freaking fantastic, do that. Yet, partway through your waking hours, do something that will help you just boost your energy further. That's not a stimulant. So that could look like acupuncture, massage, earthing, light therapy, cranial sacral massage. I have a list in my book of sixty things that you can do, which is so funny. You can do to be. <laughs> Right. And so it's right. like you can engage in so that you can be. And it's as simple as walking out your front door and sitting on your
0: grass if you have some. Yeah. No? You know what I love that you're sharing? Because I think yeah. most people have this. I just I'm going to book a trip. I can't wait to get away so I can have some downtime. Oh, man, like next month. I'm so excited because I'm going to be able to take a weekend off. Or We have to yeah. go somewhere, get away to be able to be And I love your concept because what I'm hearing as you're speaking is it's actually a way to live day to day where you allow yourself the recharge time in real life time. And how many of us allow us to do that? And so what would you say to entrepreneurs? Like, Because I'm just going to relate it to myself again because I think that it's relatable. I love the idea of this. It speaks to me because I would love to have the feeling of being recharged and being creative. What would you say to entrepreneurs, though, that really struggle with the concept of this? How do they start to lean in or what's a couple things they could do to embrace the concept and receive the concept versus resist it?
1: Okay, so I think, first of all, recognizing that every gender has pink and blue energy within them. So that's The first is establishing a belief system that the colors don't matter, okay? We're talking being and doing. So that's number one is like, just accept that. Get to a level of accepting of that concept. And then, and I just need to say really quickly as an aside, this is how it was channeled through me. I didn't choose. People like, why did you choose that? I was like, I didn't. I wrote it down as it was coming through me. So I'd love to take credit as like my concept as though it wasn't handed to me through the ether, yet it was handed to me through the ether. Put whatever colors you want attached to the being and doing energy. When you are looking at being, it's going to be different for different people. Because when I first started, I remember when I had a coach say to me, I need you to go lay in your hammock for an hour in your backyard. And I, and what I heard was, I need you to poke your eyes out with spoons. Yeah, <laughs> right? Oh my God. I can't think of anything worse In the middle of my work day, then sitting around doing nothing like that was the, that was the connotation nothing. Oh, the connotation we have for nothing in Alberta and like in Canada is amazing. That's right up there with lazy and all these other terms we put on doing nothing. And so anyway, what I found was I did it as a social experiment. So that would be the invite. Right. So choose this opportunity as a social experiment on yourself right? Where you can go, you know what? I can do hard things. If I can call 15 people in a day and invite them to an event, I can lay in a hammock, right? Or I can lay on my floor and just go into a meditative space, put a a meditation on my phone if I want to, and go into a guided meditation space. Uh, At work, I invite people to utilize their lunch hour and just do some breathing techniques were and not harsh breathing as soon as you get into Wim Hof you're doing you're in a blue space mm-hmm. so you're doing right it's like you're in meditation until you go into visualization when you start visualizing you're in blue space so it's important to just allow yourself to be so I think a couple really quick ones show up at work five minutes early and stay in your car with your eyes closed for five five minutes set your timer and just breathe just allow yourself to be I have a client that drives over to the river on her lunch hour and she sits in her car. And as soon as she's done her lunch, she watches the water flow for five minutes, which I just think is so clever. Another loves to cloud watch, go outside on the rooftop of their building and throw a blanket on the ground and just watch the clouds. And so I would start in five minute increments. That's what my comfort, I jump. I'm a jumper inner kind of person. So I was like, sure, I'll lay in a hammock for an hour. I'm sure I fell asleep part way through it. I judged all of my thoughts that were coming in. Like (laughs) my imagination is insane. This is how horror movies are made. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yet what ended up happening very shortly was I got very comfortable In that being space, it felt really room-like to me. And now, as soon as the weather allows, I have a hammock up in my yard because it has become a huge part of my wellness. My favorites, I'll tell you, I bought a Shakti mat, which is a bed of nails. So it's like this mat that rolls out and it goes into all your pressure points in your back. And just before bed, every single night, I lay that out and I lay on it. And I do nothing. I just close my eyes. I lay on this mat. And initially, it was like ridiculously painful. And so I lasted two minutes.
0: And now I can fall asleep on it. I'm laughing because you brought that one time when we went away for the weekend and we all lied on it. <laughs> <laughs> like <everybody> us <laughs> out. Yeah, like, I get over here.
1: Yeah, I bought earthing sheep so that I could double down on my earthing in the winter. In Canada, it's difficult sometimes to get outside and actually earth unless you get in cold and that's fine there's yeah there is a variety of different ways yet one of the things i want to be very clear about is you don't have to do something you don't like my husband is a cold plunge entrepreneur that guy he can sit in the cold plunge every single day he doesn't love it not every day does he love it yet he can get to a being space in a cold three degrees He can actually relax into that space and totally be. I have people who are like, that is my biggest nightmare. And I'm like, then don't do that. Don't do that. Go sit in red light. Red light therapy is so therapeutic. Like the rejuvenation, the de-inflammation, there are a lot of things out there. I just want to be very clear with my book. I didn't pick apart all the pink things and do a deep dive into all the science of it. I just list them as ideas. And if you guys end up coming to my launch, if you're in YYC area, there's going to be a lot of pink practitioners at my launch. So you can meet people who do these things, right? So that you can know where you can go to sit in red light
0: saunas. That's awesome. Right? So you can just be. Okay. So hey, before I tell people where they can find you and we get a couple other questions in here, I want to just yeah. ask the A question I have is, can you give three just tips or guidance around how does allowing pink into our life support us in getting more results or getting better results or increase our productivity? So what is the benefit of pink when it comes to that?
1: So number one, your cortisol levels drop, which allows you not to be in that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response so that you can actually allow for ideas to come in. Because when we're in that, that trauma response, we go single-minded focus. Our body, our stomach's filled with acid, our skin tastes disgusting, our, we, our bowels eliminate. Like this is all an, a physiology response to being in the fight, flight, freeze situation. So pink gets you out of that. It allows your body to feel safe. It allows you to be in this ease, peaceful space so that's number one number two is that you allow connection to source energy so call it god call it gaia call it the ether call it quantum physics and quantum energy whatever whatever you relate to you can only get there by being in pink really some people talk about moving meditations. so sometimes there's light blue stuff that you can do in order to i've taught i've heard people get to that space or touch to that space in like yoga classes, for example, but like moving yoga classes, not just yoga nidra. And it allows you to connect to source in the ether. And that allows you to have the one plus one equals three response of downloading all the ideas of anybody who's attached to the ether. Right. So that's the second piece. And the other one is just productivity. Have you ever had a situation, Kel, where you've just had too much rest? And you actually feel like, I need to get stuff done. Like, I just need to get it done. Our bodies are built in homeostasis. We want to find balance. That is the point. So there is a point where I was afraid. I was like, if I leave the dishes, my house is going to be gross. And my coach at that time challenged me and said, no, it won't. Because at some point, you're going to get sick of the dishes being there. And you're going to go, I need to clean this up. And it's just naturally going to happen. It doesn't have to come from a forced space. It's just naturally going to swing the other way. And so that's one of the things that that allowing yourself that pink time allows you to do with the blue is you get so excited to get into blue. Mondays, I love Mondays. A lot of people hate Mondays. They're like, oh, I have to go back to work. I'm like, I get to go back to work because I have designed into my energy calendar so much pink and light blue time on the weekends that I just... I craving productivity and I want to work and I want to step into that strategy and
0: flow and going for it kind of energy. I love that. Cool. What's one action you would give everybody that they could implement this week to practice your philosophy of pink and blue?
1: You can actually go onto my my Instagram and I did 12 days of Christmas. So there's 12 little actions that you can take each day. Pick one that aligns with you and do it. So you could take five deep breaths before you open your computer. You could, before you go to bed tonight, sit on your floor and, and imagine that you've got roots going through your butt all the way into the earth and ground yourself. That's another one. I would start with breath work and grounding. Have a bath.
0: Have a bath. It just feels nice when you have a bath. (laughs) Just feel good. That's awesome. So, Joe where can people find you when it comes to social media? And what do you have coming up in the next month or two that people can plug into when it comes to courses or events?
1: Okay, crawford.jody is my my one Instagram, like the one where you're gonna see more personal content from me. And then me ink M-E-I-N-C life L-I-F-E is the other one on Insta. I have a great Facebook group that's all all about growth and development called health, wealth, and all the things. It's open for anybody to join. If you want to be in a community with like minded people, feel free to join it. You could check out my website, which is meinklife.com. And then it has all the different pieces of information on there. And then in terms of what I've got coming up, lots this month, lots of stuff around vision boarding. I take my clients on vision quests. So we walk through all nine areas of well being, we talk about masculine and feminine energy and the being and doing space, and we design those into our board. So that's actually just a natural part of your life. I want it to become a colloquial conversation. So instead of people saying, hey, how are you doing today? They can say, hey, how are you being today? Or what are you doing to radically relax? I would love to
0: hear those conversations happening more and more. I love that. And I've been a part of one of your vision quests. They're awesome. Definitely recommend it. Tons of value. I will put where to find Jody just so everybody knows in the show notes. And I'll put your links in there and I'll put any resources that you give me in there for people to follow up on your pink and blue formula and to pay attention for your book, which I know is going to be coming out. Radical Responsibility. I love that. And just thank you so much for being here, Jody. Just grateful to have you as a friend and to be able to learn from you as a fellow coach and entrepreneur. And so thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Cal. I always love being in your space. I love your energy and what you're bringing to the community. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much. All right. I'm
0: going to go do some blue. Or not blue. Look at. That's um, some- <laughs> quite subconscious. Nice. That was a perfect moment. I'm going to go be pink. Oh, wow. It was so great to hear from my friend Jody around the philosophy and formula of the pink and blue. I know for myself coming off of a few years of being a hardcore workaholic that there's resistance leaning into the pink, yet I know it's necessary to tap into who I am and and what I'm all about and to allow myself to do some soul searching, right? And discover more about myself. And so I encourage all of you to practice pink this week, practice being in pink. And so if you want to continue this conversation, I would love to hear from you and meet you and meet new friends and build this community. And you can go over to my Instagram at entrepreneurial underscore elevation and leave a comment. Reach out to me, chat to me. I would love to hear from you. So with love, greatness and success, it's Kelly Beverage. Thanks for listening.